You're listening to The History of Home Improvement, the podcast that highlights people, companies, and events that were pivotal to the development of home improvement retailing today. It's brought to you by the Hardlines Information Service. Hosting today's episode is Hardlines President Michael McLarney. Hi, Michael McLarney here with Hardlines on this latest podcast. And today we're going to talk about Walter Hackborn, the founder of Home Hardware. And I have with me a very special guest, Steve Payne. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Uh, Steve is a, a journalist like myself, a background in, in magazines and publishing. And in fact, his CV includes being editor and publisher on two esteemed magazines in this sector, Hardware Merchandising and Canadian Contractor. So welcome, Steve. Glad to have you aboard. Thanks for having me, Mike. Okay, let's talk about uh, one particular aspect of Walter Hackborn's uh, long and, and storied career, because he was, he was a giant in the industry. And perhaps we can just talk about why Walter Hackborn was so important to the hardware home improvement industry. Uh, he was the founder or co-founder of home hardware stores, and that is in itself uh, something to be noted. So I arrived at uh, Hardware Merchandising Magazine in uh, 1995. You had just uh, left to go set up Hardlines. Um, so congratulations on your, I guess you're heading into year 26 now, Mike. And in 1995, I went out to my first home hardware dealer market, uh, would have been the, the market held in the spring of that year. And uh, I was trying to figure out who was who in the industry and everybody said to me, have you met Walter? And I, I didn't know who Walter Hackborn was. Um, people would say things to me like Terry Davis, uh, then vice president, uh, I believe technology or something at home hardware, later president said, well, you got to meet Walter because Walter's got the Royal jelly. That's what Terry said. And dealers would say to me, have you met Walter? And so, um, Somebody pointed out Walter to me, and uh, Walter was a not a large man, a fairly diminutive stature, uh, even then tanned to the absolute max. I, I, I think he was already, by 1995, spending a lot of time uh, in the South where he had construction projects and things, or in, in Cayman Islands. But he was still very much a part of the, the home hardware uh, effort. And I did. I, I started reading, and it seemed to me as if Walter was the heart and soul of everything that home hardware had become. And uh, when I finally got alongside him to talk to him, uh, he was uh, very polite. But there was a lineup of people that wanted to talk to Walter. It was like he was a celebrity. It was very hard to get twenty minutes with Walter. So anyway, he was a he was a celebrity. He was revered by the dealers. Um, he had the Royal Jelly, and that's that's when I first met Walter. And this would have been at, at one of the home hardware uh, dealer markets in St. Jacobs, if I understand correctly. So that was one of the home hardware dealer markets in St. Jacobs. Um, at the time, Paul Strauss was uh, the uh, the general manager of home hardware. I think he was vice president because I think Walter was still president. Um, but we can check that. I think that I'll just jump in here. I think that he might have been, yeah, he might have been president by then, so we, we can we can jump over that. But I think, I think, right, what, right, right. I think you know, there's no question that even in those days, Walter was something of a celebrity at the at the home hardware markets, and the reason yeah. being that he was the co founder, 
Uh, he had, uh, and maybe we could just uh, look back briefly here, Steve, and, and to give a better understanding of, of, of the, the significance of this man's legacy. Uh, one asylum partner, Arthur Ziliaks, and another partner, Henry Sittler, of yeah. the same family that gave us another great Canadian tradition, Daryl Sittler of hockey fame, uh, founded uh, Home Hardware back in the early 60s. And that was based on the need, as Walter identified it, to bring all these independent dealers, these hardware dealers across Canada together to pool their buying power so they could compete against what Walter identified as a growing threat from big retailers, as he called them. And those included companies like Towers, Kmart, and Sears. So he started Home Hardware. He actually read about dealer-owned co-ops in a U.S. trade magazine. And after reading that, got very fired up and headed down to Chicago to visit John Cotter, who was the head of the True Value Company at the time, a a growing co-op in the U.S. So I got to uh, hear about this firsthand from Walter in uh, 1999. In 1999, we were looking at, you know, remember Y2K, the new millennium, and every, we were looking back and we were publishing our very first issue of 2000. And we decided that we, we were going to run a, a story on the 10 greatest influences on the hardware business in Canada. And number one was Walter, and we dubbed him the retailer of the century. We put him on the cover. You're listening to the Hardlines podcast series. This podcast is brought to you in part by Regal Ideas and Classic Railing. Regal Ideas is the leading manufacturer of aluminum railing systems in North America. For more information, visit regalideas.com. Now, let's just uh, give some people a, a little perspective on what was going on in 1999, Steve, because it's easy to say that's when the new millennium started. But as I recall, it was a time of great uncertainty and great hope. People were afraid that the world was going to end. Some people were afraid that you know all the computers in the world would crash and there'd be complete chaos and markets would plummet. And others were just thinking it would be the beginning of a golden age. Can you just share just what you were feeling and thinking in terms of that reality and how it was so, going to translate into a journalistic effort? So we thought we thought we were in deep trouble 20 years ago, right? We thought we were in deep trouble. Home uh, Home Depot had been uh, it arrived in this country in uh, 1994 with the purchase of Aiken Head's Home Improvement Warehouse, the Scarborough store, right? Uh, uh, the in by by 1999-2000, the fear of the big boxes was driving people independent hardware stores back through the same period that we had in the late 50s, early 60s, when Towers and Kmart and Sears and those other stores that you mentioned, there was exactly, there was like, it was, it was a new period of paranoia. So in, in the year 2000, we also were coming off uh, an economic dip in the late nineties that were, was uncomfortable as well. So there was a great deal of fear and loathing as to what would happen to people like home hardware. Oh my God, they were going to get steamrolled. Rona had, was in the middle of its rollout across Canada because they realized they couldn't just stay in Quebec and do the same old thing. Um, we'd had failed Eagle hardware and garden, uh, had come into Edmonton and got blown away and had retreated back to the States. This was another so, big box yeah, that came up was, from the U S correct. 
So, yeah, there was another big box that came up. Uh, Revy was doing big boxes in Western Canada. It was coming to the end of that experiment. So, yeah, there was fear and loathing going into year 2000. It, it wasn't like, oh, bring on the new uh, new decade, uh, the new the new uh, cent, uh, century. It was a paranoid time. When I sat down with Walter, he was uh, approximately 80 years of age. Um, and I sat down with him at the dealer market in fall dealer market in 1999 in St. Jacobs. And I'd never really sat and had an in-depth conversation with Walter. He raced up the stairs to his office there at the home hardware complex in St. Jacobs three at a time. At, at 80 uh, years old. Uh, he's approximately 80. He might've been 78. Um, I was 40. And I was gasping for breath. I almost needed oxygen. But when I, I, I think I arrived about five minutes after Walter got into his chair. And Walter had given me an hour. I had an hour with Walter Hackborn to ask any question I wanted about home hardware. And uh, I, I learned more about uh, home improvement marketing communications in that hour than at any other hour that I ever spent. I've been doing this for 30 years. And I, I wish I could just tell you everything that Walter taught me, but it was uh, it was a master class. Walter was a great communicator, all the way from the red jacket uh, that the home hardware dealers wore, all the way from his trademark bow tie, uh, all the way from the way he put home hardware together. He was fundamentally a master communicator. That was what Walter did. He wasn't a hardware man. Uh, he he probably disagree with that because he was a hardware man to the core, but he was a communicator. He would have been successful in the music business. He would have been successful in the food business, in you name it, in aviation, because he was a great communicator. And let's uh, let, let, let's talk about uh, that was something striking about him. As you say, he was not a tall man, but he had I remember that barrel chest and a very, very, very vigorous man. And uh, I always remember that about him. And also remember that, as you said before, the bow tie. Yeah. That was a classic tie. So, so you asked now, Walter, Walter had a way that when you asked him about things, he'd always answer in a way that came down to homey old style values, right? No matter what you asked him, he would, he would turn it in, into a, a sort of fireside chat about morality. Always. So I said, Walter, I noticed that you wear that bow tie and none of the other dealers wear a bow tie. And you're the only one. What's with the bow tie? Well, and he told this story for 500 times. Oh, because I grew up in Hollinger Hardware in St. Jacobs and it was the old style hardware store where things were greasy and messy and everything was kept in drawers and, and a regular tie would get dirty. You know, it would get filthy. So I learned that you wore, wore a dirt tie, a bow tie, because you were working in these uh, quite messy environments. And so simply asking Walter about what kind of tie he wears, you're directed to an image of Walter behind the counter, like a regular person in a store serving the public. And he, he unerringly did this. And it's not manipulation. It wasn't... Uh, it wasn't uh, like he was trying to create a brand or something in modern parlance, right? He would have no interest in that marketing talk. Uh, he was just 
reminding you that he was the real deal. Like as Terry Davis said, that he had the royal jelly. That's who that's who Walter was. And that's and, yeah. and he could only be that person. Yeah, he could only be that person. Uh, uh, you 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 mentioned uh, he convened home hardware in 1963 by uh, by getting a bunch of dealers at the Flying Dutchman Motel in um, in Kitchener, uh, independent dealers. Uh, Hollinger Hardware was just one of them at the time. And um, he told me during this hour long masterclass that uh, I used to read this sounds so self-serving, Mike, saying this to you as an as an industry news service. But he said, I used to read every page, every paragraph of every trade magazine, always. And uh, he said, I had read in uh, an American hardware magazine. The article was called The Case for the Dealer-Owned Cooperative. Um, and uh, uh, it gave a route out of the terrible situation we were living in Canada where there had been literally about 2,000 stores had closed in the last five years because of the influx of the American mass market discounters, independent dealers. And uh, here was what I was looking for, said Walter. So I had to meet the man. And now I was unable to find the article, but I, I assume that it might have been John Cotter at Cotter and Court, the true value in Chicago, like you mentioned. I was unable to, to, to locate it. So Walter, Walter, of course, uh, Walter said famously uh, to me at the time, we put this in our retailer of the century write up. Uh, he said, there had to be a way. Right. They've got this problem. You've got all these dealers closing. And Walter, there has to be a way. Right. So that, it was, was, Walter, that was Walter's attitude, the, was it? That was Walter's that, attitude. That, that, that was Walter's attitude. Right. So right away, you've got the image of David and Goliath. Right. Walter spoke in almost like biblical kind of tropes. Right. Like he was you've got David and Goliath. You got little old home hardware that's going to get steamrolled by these Americans, and there there has to be a way for us to survive. You know what he was building was one of the most impressive retail networks in the hardware business anywhere in the world, but he was always the underdog, right? Walter loved it like that. He loved being the underdog, right? You know what made you think of this? You know, just back to you thinking of this this idea of of a, of a of a retailer of the century was it kind of self-serving was it was it legit was it was it a bit of both was it just what 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 made you think at during the again during that time in 1999 where did this this idea of a retailer of the century come from and how did walter take to it how did he, how did well, he well it, it it came it came about because we were the people to do it that at hardware merchandising god rest its soul that no longer publishes um had had been it was the only news organ uh, in North America, the hardware business, as far as we know in the world, that it published for the whole century. It was founded in 1888 as Hardware and Metal by John Bay McLean, who was the founder of McLean Hunter Empire, McLean's magazine. So who else but hardware merchandising to decide who the retail of the century was? After all, we published every month for the whole of the, the 20th century. So that that was just part of our history. We actually did go back and look through these issues from the 30s and 40s and 50s. Um, 
like the founder of Link Hardware out west was was in our list. Barry Sally of of, of Timbermarts was was uh, uh, in our list. Uh, uh, um, Roland Dansereau and uh, I forget his first name. I'm sorry, Piot. Uh, the founders of uh, Rona were on our list, so we we had this august uh, list of, um, of of titans, but Walter was number one by far. I mean, it, there wasn't even even close. Yeah, yeah, there's no question. His legacy looms large, and to you know today, Home Hardware now has uh, more than a thousand dealers coast to coast in a variety of formats, from hardware stores to full-on home centers and building building supply yards. And it's 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 one of the top four retail home improvement companies in Canada, organizations in Canada, and that's a tremendous that's a tremendous statement or testament to the to the man himself. Yeah, and I think uh, so. The the getting back to the theme that Walter was fundamentally as a, a communicator. When I sat down for my interview with him uh, in the fall of nineteen ninety nine. He said, I detect a little bit of an accent there. Where are you from? And I was, I'm from England originally, uh, and I have this sort of strange accent. But Walter said, I'm detecting an English accent. Are you from the south of England? And I said, yeah, well, I'm from, I was born in Sutton, Surrey, in South London. He said, oh, I was in Guildford. Guildford is a town about eight miles away uh, from me. And I can't remember why he was there. I think he was there for some. What's the name of uh, Mike? That British hardware, the the the, the UK it's, it's, hardware. It's I think he was there for, for the inter the inter interlink was a, was an organization that brought together all yeah. these co op dealers from around the world. So uh, Walter that. Walter was immediately interested in uh, in 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 forming a personal connection, uh, and it, he's immediately scanning his brain, thinking. Oh, this! Uh, I've been somewhere near where this man is has been born. I'll 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 go off into that because Walter always started with the individual, and it was never in in Walter's case. It was always personal. You know, it was always family and friends and colleagues. It was always a personal thing. He we he would get to the business later. First of all, let's establish the uh the, the I'm an ally. You know, I've been where you were born. I've been to your country, you know, and Walter was a, now this is a terrible thing to say, but because now you say somebody's a politician, it's a negative, but Walter was a natural politician because he, he formed those bonds. That's what Terry Davis was talking about with the Royal Jelly. And Walter, yeah. Walter had that. Absolutely. Right. I remember um, seeing, well, actually, I remember seeing, yeah, I remember seeing Walter, uh, you know, at these trade shows back in the day and people would line up, as you say, the dealers would line up to talk with them. And I think he just knew the names of every one of the yeah. dealers and their families and kids and would just would talk about them at that level. That's what it was about. That's why they were there. That that was what Walter was famous for. Uh, he was famous for remembering uh, which which dealer had uh, just had welcomed their first grandchild, uh, which uh, which family their 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 son had just graduated as a, a lawyer. Whatever he had this Rolodex instant memory. A couple of years later, Home Hardware published their corporate history. Uh, it was a uh, you know three three hundred and fifty page four color glorious book with with the entire history of Home Hardware and Hollinger Hardware. Um, 
and Walter had inscribed it inside the front cover. And it, it, I wish I had it to show you, but it said, Dear Stephen, the strength of Canada and uh, the strength of Canada is that we have a fair press. Thank you for always being fair. Best regards, Walter. I remember phoning you up, Mike, and saying, oh, I got, I got this wonderful uh, inscribed uh, home hardware history from Walter. And uh, it, it's talking about fairness in, in, in the front cover. And um, again, it, I just repeat, um, every time Walter did something or every time he made a pronouncement or every time he talked, it was always the old fashioned values. Okay, I thank you, Steve. I'm going to ask you this. So let's get back. I want to get back to just what you felt the the award meant. I don't know if it meant anything to Walter per se, or what what, what was the impact of the award itself? Because I know it, it got a lot of press. When you when you so, gave the retailer of the century award, yeah. it, had a life, it took on a life of its own. It's safe to say. Yeah. So uh, we had we gave Walter the award in the Canadian Hardware Show, January of year 2000, when it was held at the the X, when the Canadian Hardware Show was a thing. Um, but we told Walter of, of the award and we published our Retail of the Century issue in November, December of that year. So um, I was at home on Christmas day and the space shuttle was up repairing the Hubble telescope. And there wasn't much news on Christmas Day. And I was watching CBC News World, which had just been launched, which was the first of the cable news channels with the Chevron at the bottom, you know, the stuff all over the screen with the different. And I'm watching the astronauts repairing the Hubble telescope. It was something to do on Christmas morning. And they had a scrolling ticker tape across the bottom. And it said, Walter Hackborn named retailer of the century by hardware merchandising magazine this scrolled across the bottom wow. and i and i chuckled when you read about walter right now for example if you just go and read the wikipedia entry on walter right you've got the order of canada uh the retailer of the century they usually put right together it's it's become lore Right for Walter Lore that he was the retailer of the century, as well as uh, as well as receiving the Order of Canada, which is pretty both both prestigious prestigious awards. And I've got to say that I noticed too uh, when Walter passed away when he finally died, um, his obituary because it got a lot of press. You know the the the, the home yeah. hardware legacy was loomed large by this time, and when Walter passed away, I remember even in the obituary that ran in the Globe and Mail newspaper, they cited and quoted you. Uh, upon his uh, his receipt of the retailer of the century award yeah i i was incredibly honored so so obviously obviously for both of you that 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 award took on a life of its own in some ways yeah it um it's 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 a real privilege to be able to decide who the most important hardware uh person was in in an entire century um, the, the hard, hardware merchandising magazine, uh, was around for about a hundred, well, exactly 125 years. And 
within within its pages of, over those 125 years, you had all of these staggeringly good business people, right, that built um, each small town in Canada in, in a serious way, because the hard lines business is about the necessities of life, right? It's about the... In, when Hardware Merchandising Magazine was founded in 1888, it's about how are we going to heat this damn place, right? The first cover had a pot belly cast iron stove on it. It was about how it was about the fundamentals of life. So the most important store uh, in every small town in Canada was one and two, the food store, right, and the the hard the hardware store. They were so. The history of our industry is, is the history of um, especially small town Canada, right? Yeah. Steve, uh, thank you for this wonderful insight into one one part of the uh, history and legacy of, of one of the giants in the hardware home improvement industry. And I think it's really just telling now that we look back at um, where home hardware is today uh, from where it started under Walter and his partners back in the, the early 1960s. And Walter's concern that as you know, roads were being built better and, and big, big retailers were coming into the bigger towns, that people that lived in those smaller towns were starting to leave and drive farther distances to shop. And, and these big stores were becoming a real threat, not just to the stores themselves, but to the communities in which they lived and worked. And I think that was part of Walter's vision to preserve that sense of community, as well as that sense of, of as well as that integrity of those businesses. And I think the legacy today is not just about the success of those hardware stores, but the success of all the small communities in which they live and work. And that's, that's, that is a true testament to Walter's vision. That's well said, Mike. You've been listening to The History of Home Improvement. It's produced by Hardlines, Canada's information service for the retail home improvement industry. And your host has been Michael McClarney. For more information, visit us at hardlines.ca.